I guarantee you've never heard a cold call like this. It's inspired by the Sandler sales method, led by James Abraham, the CEO and founder of the Israel Sanders Sales Training Center. In this call, we go into the behavior, the technique, and the mindset of Sandler's unique approach to sales. One, two, three, go. So James, we start every show with your top three tips for sales professionals. Top three tips. If there's anyone listening to this that knows a little bit about Sandler and what we do, we believe heavily in our success triangle uh, philosophy. What we've come to discover is in order to be very successful in sales, and you know what, pretty much probably in management, leadership, and any other role, we need to figure out where we stand in three main areas. And those areas are behaviors, attitude, and technique. Everything we do with regards to our training and being successful revolves around those three key areas. Uh, behaviors are the actions. It's the stuff that we do. It's our plans, our goals, the action that we take to execute those plans to reach our goals. Attitude, it's our mindset. How do we see ourselves? How do we see the marketplace? How do we see our organization, our products? And technique is how we execute the behaviors. Now, many people, when they come to us, they want to learn how to sell really well. And, and yeah, we have amazing technique, but technique's not enough. The component of behavior is probably the most important one because we all know that, that a good attitude is probably the key to success, in, especially in this type of work, which is so difficult. It's not easy work. But at the end of the day, it can be easy if you can control those three areas. So my tip would be to maintain behaviors, do your behaviors consistently, constantly. If you don't know how to, figure out, make a plan, set the goals, and then have the courage, tenacity, vitality, and uh, an action to execute that. Attitude, mindset is so important in this type of work. We get bashed around, we get rejected every day, all day long. We're in the rejection business. Mm -hmm. And if we can't be mentally tough, it's not gonna work. So learn how to maintain a strong attitude. You can only perform in your role in a way that is consistent with how we see ourselves conceptually. So if a salesperson does not see himself as a 10 conceptually, he will never perform as a 10. He'll perform as a three. So we have to understand these elements in order to bring in an overall holistic uh, approach. With regards to technique, it's having great technique. I don't know if anyone knows our, the type of stuff that we do, but with regards to asking really good questions, bonding and building rapport on a subconscious level, uh, setting strong upfront contracts, always setting in clear next steps, uncovering compelling pain, not just surface pain. The problem the buyer brings you is never the real problem. Knowing mm. how to uncover budget, feeling comfortable talking about money, and of course, talking about the way they make decisions before you show them anything. So I think at the end of the day, it's if you want to be successful in that role, you need to learn to be vulnerable. You need to know to ask yourselves the tough questions. You need to try and figure out where can we be better? What could we have done differently? Why did they hang up on us? Why didn't they give us their time? Why didn't they say, absolutely, I'd love to have a conversation. Let's schedule something. Why is that? Because you see, the three biggest lies in sales, I don't know if you know this, three biggest lies in sales, ever heard of those? So number one, the buyer is always right. Number two, the one with the gold is the one with the power. And number three is the customer is king. 
So I'm going to debunk those. So the first one, uh, the customer is always right. If the customer was right, he wouldn't need our help. Fair? He'd fix his problem by himself. And number two, the one with the gold is the one with the power. We have the gold because we have the merchandise. They have money. Money's a commodity. I can get money from anyone. And number three, the customer is king. So you might turn around to me now and say, oh, James, but they could say no. And so I could say no too. Fair? Equal business stature. And you should say to me, well, they could go to our competitors. I said, well, I can go to their competitors. And you know what? I think every time you get hung up on or you lose an opportunity, you know what I do? I go straight to his competitor. Hmm. Why not? Interesting. We hear a lot of salespeople teach about dealing with objections. Because we see a no is really a maybe. But the way that you're, you've because we've spoken in private, I've seen some of the things you've taught is that sometimes a no is a no. Can you talk a little bit about objection handling from a sandler standpoint, right? How does a, how does sandler sure. look at objections? Well, you know, beautiful question. We can't handle objections and they're not objecting to our product. They're not objecting to the benefits and features. They're objecting to the way we're communicating with them. We cannot overcome any objection. The only person that can overcome the objection is the buyer. Yeah. And we have to help them overcome it. And we use questioning strategies for that. By the way, I love no's. We're going to go back to this no thing. I love no's. You know why? Because one, I save time. Two, I learn a lesson. But three, once you get a no, you can start selling, especially for BDRs and SDRs. What's the first word a buyer or a prospect would come out of his mouth when he sees or gets a salesperson coming anywhere near him? What's the word? Not interested. No, that's the word. No. That's fine. So that's okay. He said, okay, great. Now I got that no out of the way. Great. Now it's over. Can I ask you a question? Simple as that. Our company focuses on, on, on HVAC automation system technology that we're focusing on the senior care market. So I would, you know, I would present our, let's assume I'm in that place where I am able to bring the value proposition to them. I say the value proposition We take all of your unique mechanical system HVAC units and bring them under one automated dashboard, which gives you centralized control and X, Y, and Z saving. Okay. And they say, look, that sounds great, but I'm not interested. So say the salesperson gave the value proposition and the prospect says, I'm not interested. What does Sandler do in that conversation? What would well, be the question? I'm going to answer that. I'm going to answer that on two levels. One, I yeah, would please. never do that. I would never give them a value proposition. Oh no. Okay, good. You see, we, the essence of Love our it. philosophy is the essence of our philosophy is what the definition of great selling is. It's when the prospect realizes for himself to discover, I need him to figure it out. Whatever I say to him is just words and it's just pushy and it's just, he, they get 50 of those a day. How will they know if we're different? What's our job as sales professionals? What's our job? Our job is to do what? To be the same or to sound different, right? Typically? So can, can Why? I because we want to help them make a good decision. Is that fair? Yes. Yes. Tell me. Can I be one of your prospects and you run through what a call from this at family professional would look like? Because I think it is such a Let's deep uh, paradigm shift that I think people would need to hear what a, what, a, what, a, what a full minute and a half would sound like in, in your process. Because we're used to saying, make introduction and typically go into value proposition and then see how they react and handle objections. That's the typical... That's a typical thing that I hear a lot of salespeople uh, sharing. Yours seems to be very, very different in terms of the first minute and a half of a call. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really about doing the computer, but let's do it. Let's go ahead. 
So what kind of persona should I be? What's a typical persona? You be you, I'll be me, and I'll sell you, and I'm picking up the phone ring. Hi, is this Alex? Yes, it's Alex, yes. Hi, Alex. Um, my name is James Abraham. Did my name is okay. Bell? Actually, no. Hi. No. Okay, not, not a problem. I'm with, I'm with Sound of Training, um, and we're, we're a sales performance uh, a provider, and uh, I work out here in Israel helping tech companies with their issues. And your name recently came up. Why don't I take 30 seconds, tell you why I rang, and then we'll figure out if it makes sense for us to continue the conversation. Does that sound fair? Look, I'm, I'm very busy, but sure. Just tell me, what do you do? 30 seconds only. Fair enough. Well, see... Here's the thing. I work with professionals like yourself and recently they're reaching out to me and they're telling me, James, I'm really good at what I'm doing. I love my job, but I feel that we're not knocking on enough new doors, not reaching real decision makers at early stages. And it's really frustrating for them. They're sensing that they do get their foot through the door. They feel their sales cycles are super long. They're getting rejected over and over again. And they don't know what they're not doing and don't know what to do in order to stop giving free consultation and start, start closing some deals. And yet others are telling me, listen, James, I'm doing all these Zoom meetings and I'm, I'm giving all these demos, but then I'm hearing crickets and they're fed up. Look, I'll stop here. My 30 seconds are up. I don't suppose any of this stuff rings a bell happening in your world worth conversation. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yes, we do face that really? problem. We do. Yeah. No, we, we do have that which problem. Which one? Sure. So, I mean, look, our, we just are, which, which, yeah, which one? the problem that we have is either people are just their calls are going to voicemail or when they do book a demo it doesn't go to the next stage yeah so we have a lot of outbound activity but either it's oh, not turning to demo or yeah just not working yeah but we have that yeah. problem not on, not uncommon i hear that quite a lot would you could you give me an example maybe be more specific sure look i i get in the I make 80 phone calls to our personas and 80, you know, my sales team makes a bunch of calls. 90% of them go into voicemail. My staff kind of burns out. There's not a lot of response rates. So I have a lot of turnover. People are feeling like they're not making progress. So they feel like they need to move on to the next stage or they were find a different job. So I have a lot of turnover because people are burning out. Mm. They're not hitting their quota mm. or, wow. or they're not getting the commissions. How long has this been going on? Well, look, maybe like, uh, it's definitely gotten much worse since the pandemic. Uh, people are just, they're getting, they're getting calls all the time, our prospects. There's no more uh, shows, so they're, they're being inundated with yeah. different sales processes. And I would say definitely it's been really hard over the last eight months overall. And have you tried to do something about it? Have you tried to do something in order to fix this issue? Yeah, I got I got outreach and I put HubSpot, Salesforce, giving them a little better tools and techniques and giving them tasks that they can do. We worked on some templates together. Look, honestly, did make a difference. Look, I I think that there's still people are still frustrated for sure. It has made a I little bit of a difference, but but can ask definitely you, frustrated. Can ask you can ask you a tough question. Does, sure, does this issue sure. impact you? Pers does this issue impact you personally, financially? To the company? Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, I'm not sure as a manager that I can, our, our team can hit quota and we're about to raise the next round and our investors wow. are seeing a dip in profit in, in revenue. And you know, we don't need to be profitable right now, but we need to show customer acquisition. And if we don't raise the round in the next six months or eight months, I think we'll be, we'll be in trouble. How much is the round? Look, it's where our initial round was five and then the next one we're looking to do is 16. Sorry, I didn't hear that. 
five million was initial round. That was that was A, and now we're looking to get sixteen for round B. Sixteen. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Sounds frustrating to be under that. I don't know if you're under any pressure here, but that kind of sounds frustrating. Yeah. Are you frustrated? Yeah, I mean, that's my, How does it make you feel? The, the board of directors is putting a lot of pressure on me, and because they're not sure how we can, we do definitely need to show more growth. Yeah. Listen, Alex, I called you out the blue and we've had asked to take 30 seconds of your time. But look, I don't know if I can help you, but I don't suppose it would be worth for us maybe to schedule a call, maybe a meeting, book, I don't know, 60 minutes, 45, 60 minutes, figure out, you know, I'll be happy to tell you how we've helped other companies like you solve that problem. Then try and figure out if uh, it makes sense to continue the conversation. After 10 minutes, we might even figure out that there's not a fit. And I'd probably be the first one to tell you if you'd be okay with me being so candid. And equally, I'd appreciate you telling me as well if you felt that it wasn't a fit. But what do you say? Worth the conversation? Look, I don't know. I have a lot of people reaching out to me right now. Like I get a lot of calls from different sure you do. organizations. And I just, I don't know, I, you got to tell me a little bit more about what you do before I could commit 60 minutes. It sounds like you're asking a lot. I'd love that. Here's my question. Has, I know out of all the calls you get every day, has anyone called you up and had this type of a conversation with you? Uh, let's pause. Good. Okay, cool. I like that. That was really interesting. So if everybody is, is listening, so that, that was like a five-minute conversation. James, let's just make sure I understood what happened. Let's zoom out here just to make sure that I understood what happened. And maybe you can break that down to every step because I think this is going to be the really interesting because the call itself is very different from sales calls I've been part of. So you did not once mention what you do, really, like your techniques or your process, not at all. So that, that was the value proposition that never was given. You just, at the end of it, you mentioned that you help other people solve this problem that I just described, but it was not any way of how you solve it. Yep. Look, they don't care about me. You don't care about me. They don't care about us. They don't care about what we have. The problem is an ego problem. We're so full of ourselves with our, what I call, I call it our toy or our baby. You know, when you go out there and you've got a friend and they all day long, they're showing you pictures of their baby. Look at my baby. You have to see my baby. Now you don't really care about their baby. They'll show you one picture. They'll show you two. What do you want to do after the second one? You want them to go away because you don't care about their baby. You care about yourself. Our buyers don't really care about us. They don't care about our product. They don't care about our features. They don't care about our benefits. All they care about is themselves. And the main issue that we're finding, and that's the stuff that we work on, is that this is not about the salesperson. The salesperson needs to understand that the center of attention, the spotlight must be on the buyer. And that's what we help companies and individuals do. Know how to put your ego aside. And I asked you earlier before I asked the question, we want to be different, right? But how are we being different if everyone's going in there and doing the same thing? They're, they're doing the same thing. They're overcoming the same objections. They're giving the same features and benefits, same stuff. So are we helping our buyer? No, we're confusing our buyer. That's no way to sell. What we do is what happened just now was I just uncovered your compelling pain, man. You just got a phone call from me in the middle of the day. You have a problem. By the way, uh, shout out to everyone. Everybody, guys, every one, a single one of those leads, every one of those prospects have a problem you can solve. They're sitting at their desk. They're grabbing their head, thinking to themselves, how am I going to solve this issue? Okay. Now, there are three main rules of pain. And this is what I train. And this is everyone who knows me knows this. Number one, everyone has pain. Number two, everyone wants to get rid of pain. And number three, no one wants to admit that they have pain. 
that's where you have to help them. And what happened here was there was a lot of psychology. There was a lot of a process in place, exactly what's supposed to happen. There was a mini upfront contract in there. I did not pressure you. You told me no. And I was at the beginning and I was okay with that. I even let you, my body language just to keep on going. So that's really advanced ways of doing it. By the way, um, when we communicate, only 7% of our communication is spoken words. Right. 55% is body language. 38% is uh, tonality. These are elements that need to be taken under consideration. So okay. what happened there was, I'm just going to run through it. A little bit of volume yeah. report. I made you feel comfortable. I let you save me. And then I basically helped you figure out that you have a massive problem. So can, let's break that down to the first like 10 seconds, 45 seconds. And then on the, what made you decide to use the wording for the opening the way you did? Can you talk about the psychology of that opening? Sure. Pattern interrupt. Pattern interrupt. Doing the complete opposite of what they're expecting. Because when at the end of the day, no one likes to get call calls. Another thing is that we find in mindset within sales or, uh, professionals is that many times we don't like to get call calls. That really weird, uncomfortable moment where you pick up the phone and you're like a child. Hey, Mr. Buyer, uh, do, would you mind if I quickly told you why I'm calling you and, and then show you all like crazy stuff and I know you have a problem, you have to listen to me. They smell that a mile away. They smell it a mile away. So I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. Our job is to make our buyers feel comfortable. The only way they can feel comfortable is if we are comfortable being uncomfortable. So what I did at the beginning was I did a pattern interrupt. I made myself uncomfortable so that he would be more comfortable. So, so I got how did you make yourself, quite how, fast. How, how did then, you make uh, yourself uncomfortable? Can you talk about how did you make yourself uncomfortable in that? How did you, th- what did you, what do you recall happened there? What, what did I do? How did I open it? You know, right. is this, Alex, my name is James. Do you know who this is? And you're thinking, and you say, no, that's one no out of the way. Love it. Love no's out of the way. He's getting, I'm counting no's out of the way. All right. Give me more no's on little stuff. That's great. I want the big yes. And um, no. Oh, wow. Okay. You don't know me. Okay. Not, not a problem. Why don't I tell you why I rang? Fair. And then if we can figure out if it makes sense to continue the conversation, we can hang up the phone. I, I can give you another example. And this is a, this is a really popular standard move. Ring. Hi, Alex. Look, this is James Abraham. Does my name ring a bell? No. Look, not a problem. Look, I have some bad news for you. This is a cold call. Mm-hmm. I hate doing these things. Yeah. <laughs> I hate doing these things. Why don't you give me 30 seconds? I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I called. And then at the end of it, if you want, you can just hang up the phone, put me out of my misery, and we'll continue with our day. Does that sound fair? So what happens there? Talk to me the psychology. That it being very honest and transparent about the nature of, of the conversation and being laughing about it a little bit, taking, taking being vulnerable. Like I'm just being honest with yeah, you. This is a call, call. Yeah. This is a sales call. You probably hate one getting these. I hate making them. And then what's the contract? Can you now, now you Courage. go to this contract phase? Yeah. And basically, so if anyone knows what our upfront contracts are and with regards to maintaining clear next steps, I told them, I'm calling for three seconds. Say why I called. He knows it. He knows exactly what needs to happen. If you not give me 30 seconds, fine. You know what? Not everyone will give you 30 seconds, guys. That's okay. Just move on to the next. It's a mindset thing. It's a game. It's a game. And I'll give you another mindset model that I use um, in, when I train and I use this heavily. I don't know if you can get, grasp the concept. Um, I don't know if it's, this is like uh, the gumball machine. When we were kids, there was a gumball machine. And it had yeah. all different colors in it. Yeah. Which color did you like, Alex? Red. Red. Okay. I like the blue ones. And I go down there and I put like, uh, I put a, a 10 on the road in there and turn the, turn the knob and 
come out the green one. And I give it to my brother, put another one in, turn out the yellow one, give it to a friend, turn out another one, give it to another, right? Until yeah. I got my blue one or you got your red one, fair? Prospecting is exactly the same. Wow. It's just a gumball machine thing. It's just all here. It's, it's not personal. So I'm, I'm fine with it. As long as you're doing the technique and the behaviors and you have the mindset, the attitude, you're safe. You don't have to worry about it. Even if you didn't sell anything that day, who knows? Maybe a, two days later, someone will call you back and say, look, you guys called me the other day. And that left something there. I'm really interested in hearing more. That happens. It's happened to everyone. Every, every time we get a call doesn't work out, we're planting a seed. But as long as we notice that and we understand that on a mindset level, we're okay executing the technique. We're not worried. But that does take time. It takes training. Does that make sense? I love it. I love what you did. And I want to... First, the gumball machine analogy is really interesting. And I like the fact that when you give the gumball to a friend, that's, that's another salesperson who's going to get that business. Okay, here you go. I, I, it's not my fit. Uh, and when you went into that, I gave you the permission. Okay, give me the value proposition, right? I was expecting you to tell me what you do. And then you flipped it and then you said, let me uncover if these scenarios fit your business pattern. Mm-hmm. So what was happening in those questions? I was uncovering compelling pain. And I don't think we have time for me to completely pull that entire thing apart and the science behind it. Everything we do, by the way, is scientific. All this stuff is science. Sales is not an art. The art is in the application. It's all science. It's all process. And so there are some elements in there. I'm giving a little bit of third-party stories. I'm giving a little bit of, of, uh, of empathy, pain, a lot of pain, a lot of pain. And, and, uh, and just letting you figure it out. And I just let you figure it out. And here's the thing about professional sales. We cannot convince anyone to do anything. Only they can convince themselves. And we have to help them realize. If we really want to help our buyers, we, we need to help them realize. Shitty salespeople, they ask questions to gather information. Okay? Lazy and stupid salespeople, they ask questions to know more about their buyer real professionals that invest in themselves, ask questions to provide insight. And that's the next mm-hmm. level. That's the level where you don't really, you're not worried about not selling thing, anything one day because you've got a winner's mindset. You're going to do it tomorrow. Sales is a wonderful profession. It's just not taken seriously by the very people that do the profession. And that's the salespeople. Right. They don't take themselves serious enough. And then you consider this, we're doctors. We're doctors, we're magicians, we're business magicians. We make people's pains go away, we help them. We make money, we have fun, we, we help people, we, work, we can work comfortable hours, we can go on vacation whenever we want. It's the best job in the world. The only problem is that most salespeople don't invest in themselves so they can enjoy the level of financial independence um, and lifestyle. So. If most people say, oh, I want to get into sales because I want a lifestyle profession. At the end of the day, they become slaves. And as you mentioned earlier in your story, when we were doing the role play, find themselves moving from role to role year after year. And at the end of the day, if someone turns around and says, I got 15 years of experience, when in factual fact, they only have one year of experience 15 times over. And then life That's is like over. That. To the round us out, what is the worst quality? It sounds like you just mentioned now, which is not investing in yourself, but what's what would you say is the worst technical quality that salespeople share, even though you're so clear about being what self- it is? <laughs> yeah, being self-centered, saying me and I and talking about our benefits and features and thinking that we have the cure for cancer and just not telling everyone. Think about it for a second. If you were to walk down the street, someone walk up to you and say, listen, man, I've got the cure for cancer. What would you think? I've got the best products in the world. You have to buy it. Would you buy it? You tell them no and walk away. Same thing with our salespeople. 
to stop being so self-centered. Listen to your buyer, be empathic, be vulnerable, nurturing, and assertive. Plant your feet. If you want mutual business stature, you have to ask for it. You have to earn it. And so I think these are the elements. It's really about, we need to fix ourselves before we can try and fix anyone else. And so I think it's really taking a good look inside. So I think bad habits would be to stop talking about ourselves. Stop talking. Shut up. Shut up. Start asking really good questions. And if you don't know how to ask really good questions, you could reach out to me or reach out to anyone in that matter who knows about this stuff and ask, how can I be better? And ask yourselves, how can we be better? I think that's the, the main thing. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, lastly, uh, James, what's a way that our community can basically give back to you for your knowledge and your, the wisdom you shared today? Because there's been anyone who listened to, to today's podcast is going to walk away with a lot of gifts. What's one way we can reciprocate back? I appreciate that. I brought Salmon to Israel a few years ago. Everyone said it wouldn't work. Uh, guess what? It worked. And um, mm -hmm. David Sandler, he was a Jewish guy from Baltimore. And he came up with this stuff about 50 years ago. And this guy was way ahead of his time. And if anyone is any, sees any value in this content, wants to know how others like them have succeeded using this, they can feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to support anyone that would benefit from a conversation with me after you've seen this stuff or you've heard what we have to say. I really appreciate the referral. Um, I'm a strong network. I'm always open to have a conversation with anyone. My number is 054-345-0308. Amazing. Thank you so much, Alex. My pleasure. Awesome. Okay. So that was a lot there. That was a lot there. That was amazing. So first of all, I'm very grateful that you were very open to having that dialogue, actually a, a demo of a sales conversation, because that was really very valuable for anyone who's going to listen. I think that's going to be the highlight for them initially, because they're going to see all the things that you've mentioned be played out in real life. It was really valuable. So thank you for that. Yeah. So I usually, when I do training, I always do a cold call in front of everyone. So I'll do a live one. Amazing. These are top three takeaways from a conversation with James from Sandler, Israel. Number one, be vulnerable. Hi, James. It's Alex Jandrovsky, and it's a call call. I know you hate hearing them, and I hate making them. Can I share with you what I do for the next 30 seconds? Be vulnerable, be honest, be real. Number two, get mini contracts. Ask for permission before pitching. Number three, don't make your value proposition be about you, but rather speak about their pain points and scenarios that you've seen other customers deal with. You know, James, I hear that some of my customers deal with this and this and this problem. Is that something you can relate to? And then be quiet. Make sure that you're not talking about you, but you're talking about your prospect. Now this week, if you enjoyed the podcast and it was relevant, Find us on LinkedIn. Make sure you connect to Ilan Afrigan or Alex Ndrovskin. Tell us why you liked it or why you didn't. Be vulnerable. See you next week on the Sales Lift Podcast. Talkless Sales.